So in May, we were looking at part of the Bible called the book of Acts, and we got as far as chapter 4. And this month, we're coming back to Acts to see what happens in chapters 8 to 12. Now, Acts was written by a man named Luke, and he also wrote one of the Gospels. But what are the Gospels? What are the Gospels? So this is a question for you guys. Go on, Eddie. A very special prayer? Not quite, but there's some very special prayers in the Gospels. So you're right about that. What are the Gospels? I'm going to tell you the names of the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're named after the people who wrote them. But what are the Gospels about? Can anyone answer that? Anyone know what the Gospels about? Shall I tell you? Angus. Yeah, about what happened to Jesus. The Gospels are all about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, So Luke wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. In fact, the two books follow on from each other. Uh, It's like one continuous story, Luke and then Acts. And the book of Acts begins with these words. In my last book, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, if Luke's first book was all about the things that Jesus began to do and teach, what do you think his second book was about? You could, what do you reckon, Caitlin? What Jesus finished doing and teaching. Well, that's, that's very close. That's a, a, a good thought. Any, anyone else? The book of Acts is all about what Jesus, you're very close there because it's all about what Jesus continues to do and teach. But hang on a minute. Jesus went to be with his father in heaven. He wasn't walking around in the world as a person that his followers could see and touch. So how did Jesus continue to do things and teach things? So Jesus had gone to be with his father. What? What do you reckon? Um, Jesus um, started teaching people how to love. Jesus did teach people how to love, and he continues teaching how, people to, how to love. How do we think he might have done that? What, what do you reckon, Taropa? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, that's part of it. And, and how does the Holy Spirit work in the world? Well, when Jesus went to be with his Father, he sent his Holy Spirit to fill all his followers. So when a person has the Holy Spirit, uh, they have Jesus living within them. So Jesus is still here, present in the world, through his Holy Spirit, through his followers. So how does Jesus do things in the world? Well, mostly through Christians, through people like you and me. Jesus does the things that he wants to do in the world. How does Jesus continue to teach? How does Jesus continue to teach? If he, if he continues to do things through the Holy Spirit, through his followers, how do you think Jesus continues to teach? What do you reckon? Anyone? Go on, Tropa. 
Yeah, the, the, the same thing. Of, of course, we have the Word of God, the Bible, but it's through the Holy Spirit that, uh, that Jesus can continue to teach in the world through his followers. And so everything that we read about in the book of Acts shows us that Jesus continues to be at work in the world. And today we've heard the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip was telling lots of people about the good news of Jesus in a place called Samaria when the Holy Spirit told him to go south to a certain desert road. And who did Philip meet on that desert road? Can anyone remember who did Philip meet when he was on that road? Tawana. He met the Ethiopian official, exactly right. And uh, Ethiopia is a place in East Africa. So uh, this man was from Ethiopia. Uh, But he wasn't just any Ethiopian. He was a very important official. official. Uh, This man was in charge of the queen's treasury. That means he was trusted to look after all the queen's gold and silver and precious jewels. Uh, He was a very important man. And he was there in his chariot reading the Bible. But did he understand what he was reading? No, he didn't, did he? Even though he was a very important official, he had huge responsibility, he was an educated man, very clever man, and yet he still had questions. Do you know that everybody has questions? Is there anybody here who never has questions? Of course not. Uh, People have all kinds of questions about the Bible. People have questions about life. People have uh, all sorts of different questions. And I think probably children have more questions than anyone. Is it a good thing to ask questions? Why is it good to ask questions? So you learn, exactly right. That's how we learn things. And as children, you've got loads and loads of questions. And I want to encourage you to... Never stop asking questions, because that's how we learn. There's only, one, there's only one bad question. Do you know what that question is? The only bad question is the question that never gets asked. And of course, some questions are harder to answer than others. Uh, what am I going to have for breakfast? That's not a very hard question, is it? That's quite easy. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Well, that's a much harder question. But you know, some adults can get a bit lazy about asking questions, especially the really hard ones. Uh, Some people think they know everything, and so they stop asking questions, and they go around telling everyone what they think they know, whether or not those people want to hear it or not. Others say, look, there are just some questions that we can't answer. And so they give up. They stop looking for answers. Others are just too busy. They say, I haven't got time to think about these big questions. But when we have an important question, we should always look for an answer. However, we need to make sure that we're looking for answers in the right places. So I put some books on the screen, and I want you to, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to tell me which of these books you would go to to find the answer to the questions I asked. So the first question, really easy, how many dwarves were there? How many dwarves were there? Millie. Seven. Which book would you go to to find out how many dwarves there were? Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Well done. So, 
uh, how can I grow geraniums? Which of those books would I go to to buy? Isabel. No? Change your mind? Um, the Plant Lover's Guide to Hardy Geraniums. The Plant Lover's Guide to Hardy Geraniums. That's exactly right. What if I wanted to find out what the Triceratops ate? Which book would I go to? Eddie, which book would I go to? My Little Book of Dinosaurs. And what if I wanted to find out how God wants me to live my life? Which book would I go to? Uh, Darius. The Bible. Exactly right. So there are lots of places that we can go to, lots of books uh, that we can go to for answers. Uh, if I've got questions about fairy tales, then I need to read fairy tales. If we've got questions about dinosaurs and science, then we need to read books about dinosaurs and science. But if we've got questions about God, then we need to read the Bible. So the Ethiopian, he had questions about God and he was looking in the Bible for answers. Uh, He was reading the book of Isaiah and this is what he read. It says, as a sheep led to slaughter and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial. But who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? Can you think of anyone who was put on trial but said nothing to the people accusing him. Can you think of anyone who was condemned to death even though they never did anything wrong? Can you think of anyone like that? Zen, I think you had your hand up there. Jesus, exactly right. So you know who the Ethiopian was reading about. But the Ethiopian didn't know and so he needed someone to explain it to him. Now, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive, and he continues to teach people today. Remind me, how does Jesus continue to teach people today? How does Jesus continue to teach people today? Any ideas? Go on, go on. How does Jesus continue to teach people today? By his Holy Spirit. By his Holy Spirit, yes. How else? Yep, it's right. Using the Bible? Yeah, the Bible. That's the main way that God speaks to us. But what if we don't, what if we're reading the Bible, we don't understand what we're reading? How, how, how can God help us to understand that? Adarius? Through his followers. Exactly right. Jesus teaches people through his followers. And when someone genuinely wants to have a friendship with God, very often Jesus will send someone to get alongside that person to help them understand the message of the Bible. When I was about 15, I got quite ill. I had uh, something called glandular fever, and that's a, a virus that can last for months. It can even last a year, and it makes you feel really uh, tired and weak. And when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do very much, I decided that I was going to read the Bible, the whole thing. So I started at the beginning, and more or less, I read right the way through to the end. That's not the best way to read the Bible, probably, but that's what I did. And I didn't really fully understand why at the time, but when I read the Bible, I found it uplifting. I found it encouraging. It gave me strength. But you know what? I didn't always understand what I was reading. In fact, quite a lot of the time I didn't. Uh, 
But around that time, I had a friend called Keith. And he'd been a Christian his whole life, and his dad was a pastor. And he helped me to understand what I was reading. Now, Keith didn't have all the answers. But looking back, I can see that even then, Jesus was teaching me through Keith. When we want to know... Hi, Joshua. When we want to know God better, very often he sends someone alongside us that can teach us. And he did that for the Ethiopian official, didn't he? He sent the Ethiopian Philip. And the Holy Spirit uh, told Philip to go south to the road that ran between Jerusalem and Gaza. It was quite a long way away from where he was in Samaria, probably about 100 kilometers. So that would have taken him, how long do you think it would have taken him to walk 100 kilometers? What do you reckon? How long do you, pardon? 100 kilometers. How, how long do you think it would take someone to walk that? A lot of days. Yeah, maybe about, maybe about five days. So Philip was walking along this dusty uh, road and he saw the uh, Ethiopian in his chariot and the Holy Spirit prompted Philip, kind of gave him the nudge. Philip knew that he had to go alongside the chariot and stay there. And when Philip got alongside, he heard the Ethiopian reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. Now, put your hand up if you can read out loud. You can read out loud. I think that's all of us, isn't it? We all read out loud. Put your hand up if you can read in your head without making any noise. Well, do you know, in Jesus' day and around the time when the book of Acts was written, everybody read out loud. Whenever anybody read anything... They read out loud in a voice that you could hear. In fact, and this is going to sound incredible, but people didn't even know that you could read in your head. So the Ethiopian was reading out loud, and Philip was able to hear what he was reading. Uh, And Philip said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I? unless someone explains it to me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit beside him in the chariot, which was actually quite a humble thing to do, wasn't it? Because here's this Ethiopian official. He's a very uh, important and learned man. He's up there in his chariot, yet he's willing to learn from this scruffy-looking bloke who's walking along at the side of the road. And do you know what? If we want to learn from Jesus, we must first learn to be humble. We don't know it all. We haven't got all the answers, but if we're willing to learn, Jesus will teach us through all kinds of people. And that's what happened. Philip sat up there in the chariot and he explained the good news of Jesus to this Ethiopian official. And the Ethiopian was so excited by what he heard that he wanted to be baptized right there and then at the side of the road. So as they were traveling along, they came to some water, a, a lake or a river, and they got down from the chariot, and they probably went into the water up to about their waist, and Philip took the Ethiopian down under the water, saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and brought him back up out of the water. The Ethiopian was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was filled with the joy of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit uh, guided Philip to another place, presumably so he could tell someone else the good news about Jesus. Now, I wonder, who here 
has a Bible. Put your hand up if you've got a Bible. Adults as well. If you've got a Bible, children's Bible, any kind of Bible, put your hand up. Put your hands down. Okay, you don't have to put your hand up for this one. But just think about it. Who here reads their Bible? Who here reads it regularly? It's great that you do. Because if we do, we'll find that a lot of the Bible makes perfect sense. But there'll be other parts of the Bible that we really struggle to understand. Put your hand up, adults as well, if you've ever struggled to understand part of the Bible. That's all of us. So who's going to teach us? If you've got a question, if you're reading the Bible and you've got a question, who are you going to ask? Anyang, who would you ask? You'd ask Jesus, okay, but who in terms of maybe in this church or in your life, who would you, who would you ask, Eddie? You'd ask your mum and your daddy? Who would you ask, Angus? Your family members? Who, who, who would you guys ask? Who would you ask? If you had a question from the Bible. What, what about you, Phoebe? Who would you ask? Who? I would ask anybody. Anybody? Who, 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 who do you think you might ask? Out of anybody that you could ask. Hmm? Friend? A friend? Okay. Okay, so do you hear that? But basically, they're going to ask us. They're going to ask their parents, they're going to ask friends, they're going to ask people in the church. These guys, when they have a question from the Bible, are going to ask us. Who are we going to ask? I mean, are we going to sit on a park bench and read the Bible out loud uh, and wait for God to send someone to sit alongside us and explain it to us? Well, we could do that. Uh, but better still, uh, join one of our hubs, our home groups, and, and study the Bible with friends from the church. Or come to church regularly and hear the Word of God being preached. Or read the Bible with a commentary. That's like a little book that helps us to understand what we're reading. Several people in the congregation recently have asked me uh, advice on which commentary to use. And that's really encouraging, because it means they're reading their Bible. Now, we've seen that God sends people to teach and to preach and to explain the message of the Bible. But do we understand that God wants to send us to do that same thing? That's why we need to read and understand our Bibles as best we can. I say as best we can because we don't have to have all the answers. We just need to be willing to talk to people about Jesus. Now, there have been two occasions in my life when I've been on a tube, that's the underground train in London, and I felt that God was telling me through his Holy Spirit to go up and speak to someone. And on one occasion, it was a man who was reading this book. It's called The God Delusion, and it's written by a man who doesn't believe in God. Uh, In fact, he goes around telling everyone that there is no God, and I felt the Holy Spirit kind of give me a prompt, a nudge, to, to, to go and speak to this man. And so I tapped him on the shoulder. And you know what? On the tube in London, nobody speaks to anyone ever. You do not speak to someone on the tube. It's a very strange, unfriendly uh, environment, really. Uh, and you definitely don't 
disturb someone who's reading. It's like an unwritten rule. You can't disturb someone who's reading. Uh, But I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you, uh, but I noticed that you're reading the God delusion. And I just want to tell you, if you want to get uh, a balanced uh, uh, argument, if you want to hear both sides, then I'd recommend a book called The Dawkins Delusion by Alistair McGrath. I didn't have this book to show him, but I told him about it. And to my surprise, he said, yes, I would like to get both sides of the argument. What did you say that book was again? I said, The Dawkins Delusion by Alistair McGrath. And he said, said, thanks, I'm going to get that. And then the tube stopped, the doors opened, he got off, I never saw him again. But you know what? I really hope that he went out and bought that book and read it uh, because I think that it may have convinced him that that not only that there's a God, but that he can have a friendship with God through Jesus. Jesus is good news. And when we've got good news, we want to share it, don't we? Now imagine that you discover the most amazing theme park ever. I mean, this place is better than Dream World, Movie World, Disney World, put together. Now, I want you to use your imaginations. What would this theme park have that would make it that good? What would a theme park need to have? Go on, Anyang. Um, some roller coaster and very, very big slides. So huge roller coasters, huge slides. What else would a, would a theme park need to make it a really good theme park? The best anger. Pardon? Food stands and loads of food, everything you can imagine. What do you reckon, Eddie? What else would you need? What would make this place the best theme park ever? Real diesel trains. Real diesel trains. Yeah. Well, do you know what? This This theme park, that would make it a great theme park. This theme park had all that stuff and more. You got free ice cream, everything. And let's say you went there at the weekend and none of your friends knew this place existed. What would you do when you got to school on Monday morning? Do you recognize it? You'd be asking people whether they'd been to the theme park. You'd tell people about it, wouldn't you? I mean, it'd be such exciting news that you'd want to tell everyone. Well, the good news of Jesus is more exciting, it's more important, it's more uh, wonderful than anything we can possibly imagine. So let's get out there and tell people the good news about Jesus. See, God sent Philip to the Ethiopian. Uh, God has sent millions of people throughout history to millions of other people to tell them the good news about Jesus. I believe that God sent Keith to me to help me understand the Bible at that time in my life. And I believe that uh, God sent me to speak to that man on the tube train so that he would get a different view from the one that he was reading. These are all divine appointments. These are meetings and conversations and relationships that God wants to take place so that he can speak into people's lives. So the question for all of us this morning is who is Jesus sending us to? Because there's absolutely no doubt that if we know and love Jesus, then we are being sent to someone to have some conversation somewhere about Jesus. Who is Jesus sending us to? And are we willing to speak to that person 
about Jesus. So we read the word, we ask questions, we seek help, and we're willing to be sent to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that for every person in this church, there's been somebody who has told us the good news of Jesus. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And we pray, Father, that we will be excited about reading your word, learning, understanding, growing in knowledge and wisdom. And we pray, Father, that you will give us the confidence to speak to other people about our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. We know that we haven't got all the answers. We never will have all the answers. But we pray that we'll be willing to talk to others about Jesus, to tell them this wonderful news that we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.